Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. You can live a long, healthy life if you're HIV positive. With the current treatments, we can get patients down to being undetectable. The array of options is so much greater today. U equals U. Undetectable equals untransmittable. If someone who's HIV positive, they're taking their medication, they're undetectable, they're not able to pass HIV to their partners. Do it for you, Montgomery County. Your HIV treatment is their prevention. Get more information at doitforumc.org. Phones to silent, doors to cross-check, hold on to your hats. This is Five Yard Rush, your fantasy football podcast, with your hosts, Stocks, Sparky, Murph and Nick. Yo, what's happening Rush Nation? Welcome into Five Yard Rush. Start of the week, apologies for no show last Friday. Something came up for our guests and he couldn't quite make it, but we've penciled him in for a later date. Murph and I are in the studio. Big man, how are you? Yeah, really good, mate. It's been an interesting week. Been a bit under the weather, but uh, almost back to full fitness. I'm sitting here with my peppermint tea. Which smells delightful, mate, I mentioned. <laughs> that's how rock and roll we are. Peppermint tea on a podcast. In fact, that's, that might be the name of our little side project, Peppermint Tea, if we do another pod. <laughs> the, the Peppermint, peppermint tea, tea Project. <laughs> <laughs> Great minds. Right, where are we today? We've got some news. Might have the mock draft. I don't even know where we are with that. 2.0? 2.0, but we're going to do it live on the pod, so... I have no idea. You would take the even numbers. I'll take the odd numbers. We see where we spit out and see if it's uh, going to be the same or see where it ends up. Just a bit of mystery. Yeah. Right, Russ Nation, we've got some house admin to go through. First off, I want to shout out Paul Brown from the Paul Brown podcast. Him and Jack Duffin do a great job over there. I've been talking to Paul about his upcoming NFL mock at the Hippodrome in London. Now, Rush Nation, if you are interested in going along, it's free. It's at 2pm on Sunday, April the... bank. It's Easter Monday. It's the 22nd. It is Easter Monday, right? Yeah, Monday the 22nd. Yeah, so April. bank holiday Monday, 2pm, the Hippodrome in London. If you want to come along, rep your team at the mock draft, wear a jersey, it's free entry. It's going to be 
it's going to be a massive gathering of NFL UK fans. I know Stuart loves coming down from Edinburgh. Um, there's probably a load of other people that we know going. Uh, Murph, is are you representing the Bucks? Or I'm you... representing the Buccaneers. Um, I've just been helping with getting numbers, so I've been working with Paul just to help get some numbers. So if you are interested, uh, d- drop us a DM. We're desperately looking for um, Patriots. Jets fan, Patriots fans, Lions, Lions fans, Chiefs fans, um, Jags. Basically, quite uh, Patriots fans, believe it or not. Uh, Titans. I think there's a few others. So, yeah, if there's uh, if there's interest, if you've got a little bit of draft knowledge and you think actually it'd be really cool to participate in a live event and a mock draft, you won't be on your own. There's teams of like two or three people. Uh, do get in touch. You've got your team full, haven't you? Yeah, three of us. There's three. You're met, in your own little group. Met um, the guys today. I will recruit. I've got two in mind. I'll recruit a third. The joy of being at the Spearhead of the Project, I get to handpick my elite draft room of talent. Yeah, that's true. We've been cobbled together. <laughs> yeah, so. Does uh, the Bucks UK not? Are they about... I have yet to speak to them. They've uh, been quite busy. Uh, so. No doubt, no doubt. Um, I'm hoping that uh, Matt might be able to do it. Shout out to Matt if you're listening. Get in touch. Sorry, I haven't mentioned it sooner. Uh, but I will probably drop you a message this week. Um, I do have a guy in the Bucks UK chat called Sam Sharkey who's going to join me, lad. So uh, you and me will have a lot of fun drafting our favourite uh, new Buccaneers together. And hopefully we'll get Matt from UK Bucks. But if not, and there's another Bucks fan, we'll work on that too. For sure. So yeah, I'm going to be representing Denver. It's going to be a great day. It's going to be good fun. It's afternoon as well, which means it won't be too late getting home. No. A few hours in the Hippodrome. The Drew Luck Express will be riding high, won't it? Well, I'm not sure. I'm not going to give anything away because it's a tight-lipped front office in Denver. But I don't see Drew Lock going at 10. I'm just telling you now, if you want to make a phone call... To the boys at five, we're not trading up. You, you, well, I might get voted. I might get outvoted here, but I don't want to trade up. I'm just saying, I welcome a phone call. All right, I'll give you a ring and ask you how your day's going. But I'm not phoning up for a trade. <laughs> right, a couple of new reviews on iTunes, I believe, Murph. Yeah. First one's from Lukey Boy one 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 one. Come up with something more original, pal. But thank you very much for the review. He said, just starting to listen to this, enjoying it so far, keep up the good work, interesting insights into the NFL, which is basically our mantra and what we try to achieve. So thanks, Luke, for the review. If you do continue to listen and listening to me talk right now, hit us up with a DM on Twitter, I guess, and we can send you out one of the elite patches, which are running out quickly. And then the second one is from... I think it's uh, Michelle Mass or Michaela Mass or something like that. Yeah, so... You, <laughs> we've butchered your name already, but he, they left a review. It said, I'm not a fantasy player. Well, for instance, starters, why not? And, yeah. but you're listening, you're listening to the right place. Let me tell you. They <laughs> said, I'm not a fantasy player, but this pod is good way of keeping my ear to anything NFL from this side of the pond. So we appreciate those reviews. Guys, do help us out on iTunes. Leave us a five star review and we'll wing a patch straight out to you if you drop us your address and then just download, subscribe and it all helps. Yep. There's still a few left. So please do. Uh, get in touch some of you've been really kind with the feedback and you know we've had some incredible reviews and please do hit the subscribe button because sometimes we do just drop pods uh when something happens and we don't want you to miss out we've had quite a few people that were on holiday and missed out the uh, free agency pods and then have been back listening <laughs> I'm like, wow it was listening to us for three podcasts list a ton of names and transactions which by the time you listen to it 
probably was out of date. But we appreciate you still listening all the same. There's hardcore fanship when yeah. they listen to stuff that is completely irrelevant. <laughs> <laughs> some of our episodes will be timeless, especially some of the episodes we've had with guests. Like I think Stuart Loves, I think, is one that's not really that um, massively timely dependent. Uh, Pat Fitzmorris, I really enjoyed that one. Um, and we've got some absolutely elite guests coming up soon as well. It's going to be a busy, busy April, so stay tuned. Yes, sir. Right. Let's move on to some NFL news, Murph. Shall we start with Gronk? Uh, yeah, sure. Well, so uh, we have a show, Doc. Everyone knows that. And Murph puts it together in his paragraphs here and there. And there is a sentence which reads, Patriots tight end Rob Gronkowski announces retirement. Full stop. That's it. That's all Murph has put in the news about Patriots retiring. Oh. I mean, what what more needs to be said? No, I mean, you know, if any podcast, you listen to any podcast, NFL, fantasy, NFL related, doesn't even matter if it's a specific. I mean, I was listening to Locked On Broncos the other day and they had about a 15 minute segment on Rob Gronkowski. But, but the reason for the show, Doc, is to explain it is some bits need further explanation. So there's bits here with like a paragraph because there's some quotes from attributed to people. I don't feel like we need a lot of ammunition to talk about how great Rob Gronkowski is. I'm no, not no, saying I, I'm not saying we just read one line and that's the end of it. It's just I didn't feel the need to write loads of stuff about he's been in the league nine years and you know he's a certain Hall of Fame player because we kind of know that. Like, it's is he though? There's well, of course he is, but right, he's 100 percent a Hall of Fame player. There's discussion on other podcasts and stuff like that. Is he Hall of Fame worthy? And you just think, what are you talking about? The man has who, recreated. Who? Wait, yeah, yeah. There's a debate about whether he's the best of all time. That I can understand there being a debate. I think there's two or three players you can consider. But even if you say that Gronk is not the best player of all time, he is arguably in the top three best tight ends ever to have played the game. Yep. So if you're in one of the three best players in your position of all time, how do you not get in the Hall no, of Fame? No, I'm completely on the side yeah. that Gronk gets into the Hall of Fame. I, I think he gets in on the first trip. I, th- I can't think of many b- players that are retiring this year that are going to hold him back. Well, there aren't any. There's nobody in this current class that he'll be in that's going to stop him. Oh, hold the phone. Because Jeremy Macklin retired about two hours before he did at his wife's baby shower. Yeah, he did. And no one's going to remember it. I feel terrible for Jeremy Macklin because Gronk just dropped it on Instagram. Where was Jeremy Clack? Macklin, apologies, did it properly. And... Well, you say he did properly, did it at his wife's baby shower. Yeah, but that's nice, you know. He's ending as something's beginning. I hadn't thought of it like that. Okay. Well, they, yeah, thanks. Anyway, so, interestingly, I did a bit of research on this. And Gronk, obviously, everybody knows. Uh, 2000 draft, was he in the 2000 draft? No, 2000, 2010 draft. 10 draft, sorry, yeah. I knew it ended in a zero. Yeah. <laughs> so he was drafted in the second round, 12th pick of the second round. And in the fourth pick, no, sorry, the fourth round, they took Aaron Hernandez. Now, if, side note, if you haven't listened to Gladiator, the podcast about Aaron Hernandez, go and listen to it, because it is just a great eight episodes. It's so good. Murph pointed me towards it, and it is brilliant. I had to think about that. It is eight episodes. Yeah, the eighth they added, one. Yeah. They added new episodes. Um, but yeah, it is really good, and it, it breaks down Aaron, the story of Aaron Hernandez, and if you haven't listened to it or know about Aaron Hernandez, then go and listen to it, because I don't want to spoil it, but they drafted two of the best tight ends in the league in the same draft. And the Patriots have got a history of doubling down a position. Did you know they also drafted two linebackers in the same draft in rounds one and round three? So in the first four rounds, they drafted two linebackers and two tight ends. I didn't actually know that, but that makes 
That makes sense. The Patriots always zig where everybody zags. And yep. They see weaknesses in the room and, and they go for it. So, um, yeah, it makes sense. I think, listen, that strategy worked. They won. They won a Super Bowl. Not long after two, those two players got drafted. I think Gronk won three Super Bowls, went to five Super Bowls in his nine-year career. So, in half over half the years he played in the league, he went to a Super Bowl. I think that tells you everything you need to know about whether, one, they got the strategy right, and two, how influential he was. I mean, his last catch in the league set up the touchdown to win the Super Bowl this year. Like, we can talk about he's been done and and injury-prone, and it's probably right. His back is absolutely knackered, and Gronk is going to make an absolute fortune now he's retired. He's going to make an absolute fortune. Well, the thing about Gronk as well is he hasn't spent a single dime of his NFL wages. Did you know that? I don't buy this. He's only spent endorsement money and bonus money. His actual wages, he hasn't spent a dime of. So he's sort of fin- apparently he's sort of financially set himself up. And if he has done that, then fair play to you, Gronk, because that is a really good way to go about business for yourself. Yeah. You've set yourself up financially for the future. When he and Hernandez were drafted in those first three years, they completely rewrote how the tight end position affects football. You know, when they talk about how good Gronk is, he is one of the best blocking tight ends of all time. And you couple that with his offensive capabilities and you get the complete tight end. And he, for me, is the best to ever play at that position. I know, I know he's in the conversation with three, but for me, I have him at one. And you think if him and Hernandez were to continue at the same rate they were going, how many more Super Bowls would they have won with the pairing of them? But I think that that's part of the point of... Hernandez was different. Hernandez was off, off-field issues. On-field, he could have continued to dominate in the game for years. Gronk, with the way that he plays the game, his size, his speed, his physicality, with the fact he came into the league with a bad back anyway, he was never going to be playing 15, 16, 18 years. No. So, I can understand the conversation. I mean, I watched Tony Gonzalez play when I watched the NFL when I was much younger. And Tony Gonzalez was just head and shoulders above everybody else in the position. And you can look at the season numbers side by side and say, well, actually, Gronk, if he'd played all these extra years, would have surpassed potentially the numbers that Tony Gonzalez did. But the way that Tony Gonzalez looked after his body, I mean, there were times that Tony Gonzalez lined up as a wideout. Just the way that he was pretty much injury-free for the majority of his career and it's that ling- that longevity that I think has to be admired. It, it was always going to be difficult for Gronk because he came into the league injured anyway. And he never really played 16 games too often. Once. Yeah. So <laughs> that's... But when he's on the field, you cannot deny the impact that he has on the game. And will you see another Rob Gronkowski? I don't know. I don't know if you ever will. With the combination of Brady and Belichick and, you know... I think he, he definitely is one of the best players ever to play the game. I, I, I can't settle it right now. I don't like recency bias. I think the problem is everyone's anointing, you know, anointing no, him as the, the favourite player of all time because we've just watched him and we're, I don't know how many years removed from Tony Gonzalez, probably close to, to probably close to 10 years now, I think. And I think that's a really big thing is to think about that. Should he be in the Hall of Fame 100%? Never. There's not even a, a, a smidge of doubt. He will go in in five years from now and he will he will be in the Hall of Fame. And rightfully so. And he's one of the best three to ever play the game. But I think what I will do is table that conversation for a year and then decide 
who I think is the better player. Once all the recency bias and the Super Bowl. But what a way to go out, going out winning the Super Bowl. I mean, it doesn't get better than that. No. And the way he played the position as well, he's like a true wire receiver as well as being the greatest blocker. Yeah. And absolutely. you think the, the teams have recently, I don't know why, but you think Michael Thomas with the Saints recently, they line him up in the slot, I think 33% of the time. And Gronk played out of the slot, the wide position, quite a lot because he could burst off the line or block from the same position or release late. And you think Michael Thomas, they're the same sort of build. Michael Thomas may be slightly slighter as a wide receiver. But coming out of that position, you're too big and too strong for nickelbacks who cover you in the slot. And then you're too fast for linebackers who line up against you. So you're winning at the position battle already. And then when you've got great understanding between Brady and Gronk and Gronk's hands and you see it with Michael Thomas and Drew Brees as well it's they it's your basic yards they're given they're, yeah yeah and I can I completely agree with that and um I think what I'm really thankful for it's almost that the Patriots did win the Super Bowl because I can see it now had the Patriots not won the Super Bowl what do you think his the last memory of Rob Gronkowski was in this league not playing to his full potential I would have said the Miami Miracle. Oh, and how he couldn't get to the lining corner. up at cornerback for at the you know trying to stop a tackle and then basically falling over himself in his frame to try and stop <laughs> try and stop a tackle. I mean that would have been tragic for a player of his stature to have been remembered for for that. And I'm not trying to sort of throw him into the mix here and throw him under the bus. I'm just saying that at least now he's gone out on winning the Super Bowl with that that catch that now will be viewed, I think, rightfully as important as this. As opposed to, he's the guy that at the end of the show called it a day and he fell over. He <laughs> fell over on the Miami and allowed the Miami miracle. You know, uh, <laughs> Miami fans, that was for you. Just a little chin up. So I know it's been a rough couple of weeks. And, uh, you know, I thought I'd just throw one at you because, well, if any franchise deserves it, it's you guys at the moment. Well, we talked about them not tanking. Tanking is such a good word for the Dolphins as I well. Know. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, let's go to the fish tank. Oh, dear. Right. Fire the cannons, Murph. Arian on f- hiring female coaches has said it's time. I think it's a great thing. Two female coaches are back full-time. Two full-time female coaches. So the Bills had Phoebe Schecter, who's British, and she coaches on the Bills staff. Uh, Arians has now hired two female coaches, and he said, you know, why would I not do this? It's time. It's time to, um, you know, women can coach just as well as men, if not better in some circumstances. If they're good enough, why shouldn't they do it? So... Again, it's just another example of Arians not really caring about the politics of things. And he's said quite a lot of things this week, um, which really like proves that. Like he, he's not one that's gonna sit there and be um politically correct. Like I'm not I'm not saying he's gonna say things that are massively offensive, but I mean like he's not gonna play the political game and say, Well, I'm hiring these coaches because we need women coaches. It's he's hired them because he believes they're gonna add value. It's the same way that he's, you know, hiring the biggest coaching staff in the league because he wants to have all 52 players or as many of the 52 players as possible out on fields practicing and not just having a series where just most of the ones go out and practice and then some reps for the twos and then one or two reps for the threes. Like, it's just what he does is he does things on his own terms and he does what he wants. That's the coach you get. So, great move. Um, be interesting to see how they get on. And, um, yeah, pleased. Pleased to see it and it's good to support an organization that, that that does these sorts of things and isn't afraid to do it so good on yeah i completely i love the fact that he's not your standard mold of a coach and he's just willing to do not whatever it takes to win but what makes winning easier 
regardless of who's in like coaching, it just has to be men in coaching. It's ridiculous. And, you know, like you say, hiring two first teams essentially to practice so everyone's getting the reps that the team are doing. So you can slot in and out of the team easier than doing the set. I, I think it's great. And just yeah. having him back in the league was good. I agree. Right. There's been the owners meeting recently and lots of rule changes have been proposed by teams. So we'll go through a couple now. So start with Denver Broncos, seeing as I'm blue and orange. They proposed changing the onside kick to, I think it was a, a 4th and 15 or 4th and 12. 4th and 12. So it's similar to what's in the AAF. AAF. Yeah, um, and this is something to do with stopping concussions of onside kicks. And yeah, so basically the way that the kicking game is going is that basically the way the onside kick is now with the tackling protocols, it's it's nigh on impossible to complete a onside kick successfully. It's kind of a redundant feature because the way that you can't rush off the line at a certain speed and um, at a certain time and um, the way that you dive in, obviously head first challenges aren't allowed and that's obviously naturally the way that you would dive onto the ball, etc. And the ball has to travel, um, I think it's 15 yards, except and it used to be like 10 and... Um, the ball's got to be put in the air and all these sorts of rules and changes uh, you know, have been put in so that there's less collisions to stop CTE, um, which is only a good thing. But it does mean that the onside kick is extremely rarely converted now. I think it's 7% of last se- this season just gone with 7% and the season before that was 15 I'm surprised it's 7%. I'm really surprised. I would have said it was a lot less than that. Yeah, no, I think of the 53 kicks, only four or something of them were. That's crazy. But it was. I think the reason the Denver Broncos made it fourth and twelve was that this from fourth and twelve, the same percentage. I think overall the onside kick has been fifteen percent successful. Yeah. And the success rate of the fourth and twelve is fifteen percent. So it makes the it, it the same effect without the dangers of the concussions. Yeah, they, they worked it out to a similar. Answers, but the problem with it is that the AAF have done it. And the NFL is not going to copy what the AAF do because it gives the AAF even more power and credence as sort of the expansion league slash uh, innovative league. And owners aren't going to do that. So they rejected it despite the fact that when it first went to the competition committee, there was only one team that were against having this change brought in. And that was uh, Mara of the Giants who said, uh, what are we doing playing arena league football now? <laughs> he was massively against it. So, but they have shot it down. Um, I think it will come back. I think it will happen. I just don't think it will happen this year. Fair enough. NFL owners voted on Tuesday evening to approve a rule proposal that allows for offensive and defensive pass interference, including non-calls, to be subject to review. So coaches can challenge those calls in the first 28 minutes of each half. In the final two minutes of each half, those calls will be subject to a booth review. And it's only for the 2019 season. So they're trialling it out. Yeah. So obviously Sean Payton, the Saints, um, wanted to have uh, pass interference calls subject to review. And now that they are for for one year. So my understanding of this, um, listening to some of the um, feedback from this, was they basically Sean Payton and and the Saints owner was so adamant that they wanted this rule in that they whipped together a load of coaches to put pressures on their owners to vote for this right this was incredibly unlikely to happen in this in this season they didn't want it to be an instant reaction to what happened but there was so much support and willingness for it and fight for it from sean payton sean payton was very much the ringleader of this is said to be understood that they actually came up with 
five different rule changes. It was like rule six, rule six A, rule six B, rule six C, and rule six D. And I think it was six C or six D that was passed. And that's the the rule we've got now. There were other ones that were proposed that didn't come through. And the subject to the just the 2019 season is to try it out for a year because the big concern is it's going to massively slow down games, having more challenges potentially. Um, not all challenges get used in the game, so people are more likely, more coaches, in theory, more likely to challenge big calls. But I think it massively adds value to that challenge pick now. I think it goes the opposite way. I think it speeds games up because you're not going to waste your very, very important challenge flag in the first half to question a spotting of a ball, for example, on a first down and a fourth down in the first half, which you do see in the league every now and again. Because you don't want to burn that challenge, then have a potential PI call that could be a 60-yard play that has that could be a PI that isn't, and you don't have your challenge bag to throw, and you've wasted it on a spot the ball. So I think you'll see less calls in the first half, and I think you might see some more calls potentially in the second half. I think it adds value. I think it's a must-have rule. It's the biggest penalty in in the game. You can have it could be in theory a 99-yard penalty. Like any ninety-nine yard penalty has to be reviewable. Yeah, in my opinion, such a big swing. Yeah, and I get it's subjective. I I understand it's subjective. I understand that you can look at certain angles, and it might not be a hundred percent conclusive. But when you have incidents like what happened with the Saints, that is an instance that that it should not happen at that level of sport when the technology is there. Yeah, and you think as well. Like, it doesn't need to slow the game down so much because they had the sky ref in the AAF. They did have the sky ref in the AAF. Yeah, absolutely. And, and sorry, did yeah they ha- they have. And you think when you're watching it at home on Sky, and you just need someone watching the video, and something happens, you hit rewind and it goes back quickly, and then all you have to do is watch it again. And the Saints call was so easy; you see it at the time of play. You don't have to watch it back and into replay once. And it would take five, ten seconds to rewind quickly. All you do is then hit stop on your Sky remote, and it goes back to the time. Whereas if the game's already stopped, all mate, your boy at top's just got to go re- with his little ball on video thing, just goes rewind it, watch it, and then just phone down. The refs don't need to be involved. But I absolutely love the Sky Judge. So I think I talked about it on the pod with an Orlando Apollo's touchdown that looked very much in the first and the second replay, like it wasn't a touchdown. And the way that they just twisted it, and you can hear the explanation as to why this isn't a touchdown. This is this is not going to stand. Oh, wait a minute, what's that? It does look like he makes a progressive step. Hang on, let me zoom into that. Yeah, okay, I can see that he makes a footballing move. That is a completion. That is 100% a catch. That is that is going to remain a touchdown. Like, And it's that, it's that kind of discussion that really explains it to people who are unsure it takes a lot of the controversy out of the game and I think that's the key I think part of the reason I think there was some skepticism is it was two nearly three months ago that the Saints incident happened and it's still a wide talking point the league thrives from controversy especially controversial plays so I think there is some resistance there because it does have that element of water cooler and if you water it down too much but i think with something that is so game-changing you've got to have and if the technology's there now the technology is there like technology nowadays can get hundreds of cameras from different views and it can all be instantly accessed and i think the nfl should jump on board and use it to their massive advantage i don't want teams to lose games 
based on calls like that, which have such massive implications. If it's, you know, there's things like holding penalties, which you can argue in a series of events can influence an outcome. But let's be honest, a holding call, just a standard holding call for a 5-10 yard penalty, probably in most instances not going to be a game-changing event. So when you're using it for all those little things, I can understand the frustration of too much replay, too much interference. But I think that a pass interference call is just far too big. It's just it it literally changes the game if it's like like we saw. The Rams won a football game because a call was not called. That we know, everyone in the world knows, that's pass interference. That's first and goal at the one. And that changes the outcome of the game. Protect well, first and goal at the one, you'd fancy the Saints to, to score. Yeah. So even a field goal, field goal wins it. So Johnny Football makes brief AAF debut as the Express top the iron. Johnny Manziel was under centre for three drives in the second and third quarters of Memphis's 31-25 comeback overtime win over the Birmingham Iron on Sunday evening. He finished with pretty small numbers of three for five, 48 yards, 20 rushing yards, one sack and a failed two-point attempt. Very brief, and I don't think it means anything for the NFL for Johnny Manziel. He's not coming back. There's, a, there's absolutely no way he comes back. I think my favourite part of this whole thing is he came out afterwards and he explained that this was the best quarterback room he's ever been part of, which I thought was a little bit funny. Very um, funny. Considering, I'm just trying to find... Considering <laughs> I completely forgot that the quarterback was Christian Hackenberg. <laughs> What, the at best, the Express? Yeah, so the quarterbacks there are Brandon Silvers, uh, Christian Hackenberg and Johnny Mansell. And that that's is the best quarterback room he's ever been part of. <laughs> well, he's definitely not wrong, is he? <laughs> right, let's move on to another quarterback, Odell Beckham. So the Giants <laughs> owner has said, trading Odell was a reluctant decision. The Cleveland Browns made an offer that Dave Gettleman and Pat Shermer found compelling and ultimately approved it. Mara has told reporters per NFL Network Kimberly Jones at the league meeting on Sunday, he said, not an easy decision, it was a reluctant decision because I like Odell. What's funnier is the guy's grandson has yet to talk to him since we're trading Odell. I love that. <laughs> it's like my dad trading Beckham and Hunter saying, nope, I'm not talking to you anymore, granddad. No, why would you? I did. Why would I? I wouldn't talk to my dad if my dad was uh, Gettleman and he he said, "Well, you know, we're trading Beckham." I'd be like, "Well, let's see you later, Dad. Thanks for nothing." I'm just saying, Giants. If you give me a call, this wouldn't have happened. To be fair, we got a hashtag last week as well. We did get a hashtag, which was amazing. Uh, thanks very much for that. Um, I'm just saying, I I wouldn't have traded Odell for such a pitiful sum. I'm not. Listen, every player is always available any price I would like to interlude here Murph yeah. that is real life and fantasy yeah. if I offer you ask what a player's value is and you tell me he's not for sale you're playing fantasy wrong on that level as well if somebody asks you mentions you or talks to you about a trade get back to them and if they don't if you have people not getting back to you you're playing in the wrong leagues yeah definitely and there's been some good trade talk in a couple of leagues we're in and uh, shout out to Ryan Kelleher, we're we're trying to work out a deal, and I won't go into too much detail because it could change rapidly. Um, at the moment, we've been backwards and forwards trying to work it out. Hurry up! I was trying to explain to him that um, he's like, "Do you not look at trade calculators to work out deals?" And I'm saying, I look at them, but I don't hold them to much weight because everybody uses the trade calculators. So all that does is it prices up the currency and it dilutes the value. 
And not only that, isn't the trade calculator based on last season's stats? Yeah, so and and that's an issue. So for me, so I, I mentioned two of the players that we were talking about. Uh, one is well, Derek Carr wasn't traded, but he's potentially Phil Rivers is in the trade, and he was saying to me that Phil Rivers is a massive upgrade on on Derek Carr, and I was saying to him, well, no, he's not a massive upgrade because over the last three years, he's worth one point six points per game more. And for what we were going to give up, we're not getting that production back. So your trade calculator looks at it and thinks it's a fair trade, but it's not. Because you have to look at the output and production. And the only reason it's 1.6 points per game is because Derek Carr had literally no one to throw to last year. He had Jared Cook. (laughs) So he didn't have anyone to throw to. And that was the cause of the biggest gap. It was a 4.2 point per game gap last year. So that shrinks by 1.6. They're about the same. I wonder if... For instance, you added Odell Beckham and Keenan Allen to that mixed trade calculator. Who got more points per game over the last three years, Brown or Keenan Allen? I said Beckham, didn't I? Yeah. Okay, so if you add Brown and Keenan Allen, sorry, to the Rivers car thing, who's going to be getting the more points per game then? Yeah, exactly. I think you have to look at more than just a trade calculator. And I think this is. Trade calculators are a good starting point to get an idea and a gauge. But I like to look at production over a certain amount of years i look, like to look at players age i like to look at location i like to see what the the team is doing is there stability in that team um i like to see if a certain team who perhaps is the bottom end of that player is a certain bottom end of that is there any upside potential now has there been improvements this offseason so someone like Derek carr is huge upside potential because he's now throwing to antonio brown and he's not throwing to marcel aitman so he, there's things like that you think and he's got a better offensive line now, and he's got a few other pieces. And I think they're the things that people don't factor in, especially when these trade calculators maybe are not fully up to date. So I don't mind using them as a guide, but I don't sit there and go, well, the trade calculator says this is about right, so it's a fair trade. Value's in the eye of the beholder. And I like to look at production, points per game. I like to look at averages, and I like to look at where there's potential upside here and there. Um, you know, Penny... Rashard Penny is a great example because Rashard Penny is a player who doesn't hasn't played much. So in a trade calculator, he's probably seen quite a low value. But he's a, he was a first round pick, so he has a lot more value than perhaps what he's produced. Ronald Jones is exactly the same. These are the sorts of players that trade calculators will be massively low on. But actually, we haven't really seen what these players can do. So the upside is the part that cannot be measured. That's the value. You have to come to an equal measure on that. And I think that's the part of trading that is fun, but it's also the part of trading that is perhaps the most difficult because people have different values on different players. I'm never afraid to walk away from any trade, and I'm never afraid to do a little bit more to get a trade done if I believe it's in the right spirit and the right interest. But the one thing I will rate Ryan for, we've not done a deal, we've gone backwards and forwards, is we're both still at the table and we're both still talking. and we both he, he at least had the decency to look at what we needed and is offering pieces that we do need. It's just perhaps we're not quite there on a the value-wise. And that doesn't mean we can't do a deal. It just means that we just need to work out where each other need to get to. But I think that's a big tip is he looked at areas where we perhaps are weak in our team and has offered players that can fill that weakness, which is good. I'd like to make... i tell you what, I'm... You're going to rip off the fantasy footballers here for a second. I want to make a water bet with Ryan. Ryan, if you're listening, I will water bet you that Derek Carr has a better fantasy season than Phil Rivers this year. Just saying, bro, come at me. Let All us right. know. So, Ryan, um, 
I drop your message and make sure you listen and I will get a response and tweet it out to people. And if you want to make a different kind of bet, I'm not talking monetary, but something fun, then comment me as well because I am open to any sort of bet. Right, we mentioned Jeremy Macklin's retired at his wife's baby shower. The former Philadelphia Eagles wideout has announced his retirement after 10 years in the league. Jeremy, go do you. Congratulations in your retirement. The Steelers GM has said Big Ben extension talks are ongoing. Not sure what that means. Don't know how long Big Ben's got after losing the entirety of his arsenal. One of the star players that led the England Patriots, New England Patriots to an epic comeback Super Bowl victory over the Falcons has announced his retirement. One of my namesakes, Malcolm Mitchell, not Malcolm the Mitchell, spoke at an event at the University of Georgia. He's going... He wrote a children's book, didn't he? He's a author of a children's book. I didn't know that. Yeah, so I think he spent a lot of time in college. He went into college with a grade three reading level, like literally almost couldn't read, and worked his butt off in college and able to be able to read. And he's now a, you know, a published author of a children's book. And I think he's had something either 10 or 12 knee surgeries. So I don't blame him for wanting to retire. So good on you, Mr. Mitchell. Good luck with the books. Yeah, so the reason he was responsible for... That epic comeback, it was uh, five catches for 67 yards in the fourth quarter. So massive quarter, what a game to do it. Had a lot of injuries in his career, but to do it on the biggest stage of all at Super Bowl in an epic comeback, he will always be remembered for that game, maybe not necessarily for his entire career. I should probably own one of those shirts, considering he's got the same last name as me. But anyway, moving on. Veteran safety George Aoka, a long-time Bengal, signed with the Cowboys on Saturday evening per NFL's Mike Garofolo. Decent move for them. Yeah. The one thing I forgot to mention when we talk about the reviews is the Bengals were the one team that voted against having the replays for the uh, pass interference. Did they state why? They're just old-fashioned. Fair enough. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, When asked if taking quarterback in the first round was a possibility, Cliff Kingsbury replied, I think everyone's everything's on the table. When you have that first pick, you've got to turn over every stone. Welcome to the most boring answer in sports. I get why he's done it. Like, I would say something similar, but it's boring. <laughs> so, do you do you still think that the Cardinals are not taking... Money? I'm still of the in the minority that I do not believe he... Kyler Murray... I do not believe Kyler Murray is going... So, I don't know one way or one the other. ...to the Cardinals. <laughs> I don't know one way or the other, but I... Now, you think when Josh Rosen was drafted at 10? Yep. He came out and said, the ten people, nine people who didn't draft me have made the biggest mistake of their lives. I'm going to make them pay. Yeah. And in college was very outspoken, spoke his mind. He doesn't strike me as the kind of guy who's just going to lay down and take all this talk about being traded and them taking Kyler Murray at number one and not say a word. Do, do, do you get what I mean? If, but that, yeah, that, that adds to my case. Exactly that. I was going yeah. to say that. He's the kind of guy who would come out and say, look, why, what are you talking about trading me? You, you picked me last year. What's this all about sort of thing? And now no, he's not. I just think they're drumming up interest, like you say, for the number one. A hundred percent. I just think this has come from one or two reports and it has spiraled as this is gospel. And every draft you see, your mock draft you see now, has Kyler Murray going to the Cardinals. In fact, to the point where it's pointless looking at the top two picks. And then, like everyone is talking about it, as if these two, these top two picks, are done deals. I this time last year is a great example. Everyone believed, everyone believed Sam Darnold was going to be a Cleveland Brown. Everyone believed that Sam Darnold was going to be a Cleveland Brown. 
There was some talk late on it might be Josh Allen, but it was almost likely going to be Sam Darnold. And then it was only in the last few days that it sort of came out and it might be Baker. And then it was Baker. But Baker wasn't a consensus pick. It wasn't like they came out in March, which they can do, and say, we're taking Baker Mayfield. If I'm sitting there with Josh Rosen and I'm thinking about trading Josh Rosen, I'm thinking by now, looking at the market, Foles has gone, Bortles has gone, Bridgewater's gone. There's one quarterback in free agency left in reality, Sam Bradford, who's not going to get signed anywhere unless he takes a, a nothing deal. Even Blaine Gabbert got a deal today at the Buccaneers. So there isn't many quarterbacks out there. So if you're in the market for a quarterback and you know Josh Rosen is available and you're not going to have to spend potentially a first round pick to get him, why has no one done a deal? If it's a second round pick for Josh Rosen or a third round pick, why have Washington not done that? Why have Miami not done it? Why have Denver not done it? Why have Jack, well, Jacksonville signed a quarterback? Um, Cincinnati maybe have not done it. Giants. Giants would be a perfect quarterback for the Giants. For a second round pick. And then you don't have to spend your first round pick this year. Nah, they just I just think they're just fishing. And I fully expect them to trade out of that pick. And I fully expect them to... I think someone could to draft Kyler Murray number one. But I don't think it's the Cardinals. I just, I just don't buy it. I don't see how... Chandler Jones is their head rush, isn't he, at the Cardinals? Yeah. I think, how do you not pair a Josh Allen or a... Uh, what's his name? Bosa with Chandler Jones and have Rosen under centre and then stack your O-line with your second round pick and I, I how wouldn't. is how is that better how is that better than taking Kyler Murray at one only having Chandler Jones as an edge and not and passing on yeah. generational talent I would if I'm going to trade out of the one spot I would trade to somebody in the top 10 and I would look to get a first round pick this year a second round pick this year and a first round pick in 2020 or two first-round picks this year. But the only teams that have got that are Oakland, the Giants, and the Packers. So very unlikely mm. that's going to happen. But if you get that kind of haul for the one pick and you move back to, I don't know, six or ten or whatever, then I think that's a good price. Because I think you... Or even if you might get three new picks. So to get a high first-round pick in 2020, to get a second-round pick... Maybe even you might even get a third round pick or a sixth round pick or a fifth round pick. They they've got so many holes. They need to upgrade the offensive line. They need to upgrade the defensive line. They need to look at wide receiver. They need to look at tight end. They need to look at having a secondary, you know, running back. They've got Chase Evans there, but Chase Evans is he gonna last the season? Who knows? Patrick <laughs> Peterson's not gonna be there for much longer. No, is he? exactly. You're gonna have to look at thinking about cornerback replacement, safety replacement. Yeah, Matthew's gone. Well, You've Matthew's two of, years removed now. But Yeah, linebackers. They, they've got a lot of holes. Um, John Buchanan left this season, so it's another linebacker that's gone. Like You need to have... They've got a lot of holes. They're, 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 the, they're picking at one for a reason. They're the worst team in the NFL. <laughs> so one player isn't going to fix them, but if you can get yourself two, three... If you can try and pick, if I'm the Cardinals, and I, I'd be looking to try and pick four times in the top 40 then I'd be thinking, well, you can do quite a lot with that. Mm. If you can get four top 40, top 45 picks. Even top 50. Even top 50. If you can get four top 50 picks, you're in good stead. And that's kind of what you need. I'd rather have four top 50 players than the number one player and nothing else. Yeah, for sure. I completely agree with that, sir. Offensive tackle Matt Khalil, who was recently cut by the Panthers, signed with the Houston Texans on Friday. They really need O-line help and this is a good start. 
they got to protect Watson because otherwise he's not going to play 16 and his career will be cut violently short. I don't think Khalil plays 16 though. He's he's quite injured and yeah. Uh, but it, it's a start at the right. It's the right 100%. place to start. The Colts have agreed terms on a deal with former Chiefs linebacker Justin Houston. The team announced Thursday. Houston totaled nine sacks last year in 2018. This is the Colts starting to spend their money, which they've got loads of. And they didn't spend that much. No, no. But I'm saying this is they're signing a decent player. I think in Justin Houston. When I look at player talent value cap space spent on them and production I'm going to go as far as say this is probably my favourite signing of the entire window so far for a team that is vastly improved on you know and now you're getting Justin Houston added to that being vastly improved on defence it's been notoriously terrible for years took a massive step Darius Leonard uh, defensive player of the year fantastic and now you're partnering him with Justin Houston oh yes please watch out oh Absolutely unbelievable. 112 pressures in his last two seasons. Over 2,000 snaps played. Unbelievable. And they got him for... I don't even think it's... I need to look at the amount, but... Well, it was like three years, 23 million or something like that. It was... So pennies on the dollar, basically. Compared to a player like that, if you're thinking that Landon Collins is getting like 80-odd million, you're just sitting there thinking like, that is fantastic even, business. Even Terrell Suggs getting 50 mil. And exactly just think, that. What's happening here? I think it's superb but, business and, and it's great work from from that front office and I'm fast becoming a massive fan of the Indianapolis Colts. The talent they're assembling, the the way the front office conducts itself. I love Frank Reich. Um, Chris Ballard. Chris Ballard, I think for me, is, is doing a phenomenal job as a GM. Well, imagine- they've got all this money and they're not, they didn't panic. Everyone's like, oh, they've not gone and got Bell. Oh, they've not gone and got Landon Collins. Oh, they've not gone and got... And all of a sudden, they've just signed a big fish for a small price. It's brilliant, brilliant, brilliant management of, we might have all this money, but we're not necessarily going to spend it. You don't and have spend to it. Yeah. spend it. And they're spending it in the right areas. They're getting players of quality. They're going to, I, I, I highly see them using some of this cap to go and get maybe a second first rounder. Um, trading up with, say, someone like the Patriots is something that could really happen. I can see them doing quite a lot of things uh, in this rest of free agency period and getting some very, very good players on the cheap and uh, massive respect to them. Imagine if Chris Ballard and Frank Reich have a draft like they did last year again this year with the cap space they've got. The Colts are going to be a machine. Absolutely. You know, I'm not a big fan of the Devin Funches signing. I don't think. See, I don't mind it. I think he's the right kind of receiver for what they need. They've got they've got Eric Ebron already a big target in the red zone. They've got T. Y. Hilton who moves the chains as consistently as any other receiver in the league. And you throw in a big body 50-50 ball winner in Devin Funches. He's not going to get many targets, but the ones he gets, he can go and win. And you think coupled with Ebron and T. Y. Hilton on that line, that's three targets that. Really work well together, I think. There was better out there for me. But he wasn't expect, And it's a one-year deal, don't forget, as well. It's a one-year deal is the only part of this I like. It's big money. I think it's like 15 million or 14 million. Uh, all in. in. Who knows? I, I just... I don't rate him particularly high. I don't think he's, an, he's a brilliant player. Um, I think he's okay. Um, I think they could have done better. But they could draft a player there and maybe he doesn't get much of a look. We'll see. They've not put themselves on the hook for future years, which if you've got the cap and you can afford to dump it all into this year and put no safety on them, fine. I can't wait to see who they draft. I'm just excited. We should, you know, like the ATN have the team of ATN and we should have one and it should be the Colts. I'm all in. I'm all in on the Colts. That's fine. That's done. Booked in 2019. 
I don't even need to see the draft. I know it's going to be good. All right, fine. Five-yard rush team of the year, Indianapolis Colts. Done. We're rooting for you. We're coming for you. Slot cornerback Darquiz Denard tested the free agency market, but is returning to the Bengals. It gives Cincy options in the secondary, along with William Jackson, Dre Kirkpatrick, and recently acquired B.W. Webb. I still think they need a lot of help. A massive, need a massive amount of help, but Denard, keeping Denard is a huge coup. Oh, uh, for sure. They got rid of Perfect, which we'll talk about in one second, which was a brilliant move because he is a toxic player. Absolutely. Von Perfect and the Raiders have agreed on a one-year deal worth about five million. Not sure why they've paid him, but especially. <laughs> so this is reported by NFL insider Ian Rappaport and Tom Pelissero. Him and uh, didn't he knock out Antonio Brown with a blindside hit or something? And yeah, they had words afterwards. Yeah, and then Antonio Brown came out recently and said, "Oh, it's all cool, baby," or something like that. And it's just like, what are you doing? You just I don't understand why any team signs him. This man is should not play football. I, I actually so I'm part of a lot of Buccaneers fan groups and a lot of Buccaneers fans were creaming absolutely crying out saying that we should sign Bonte yeah, Bonte's birthday and I was like, No, 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 no. In fact what I did is copy and paste no about hundred and five times. <laughs> you told me that. Yeah. I was like, <laughs> No, just just no. <laughs> I don't want him anywhere near. We've got locker room issues as it is. We do not need a guy like that. Like, he's just toxic to a dressing room. I mean, the only thing this is... Do you know who benefits from this move? The NFL. Because now, when they move to their new headquarters, they can build it entirely off the fines they're going to get off Fonte's Burfitt. <laughs> because he's the most fined player, probably, in history of the NFL. So, you know, there's another few hundred grand's worth of fines. I mean, you say, what, roughly five million... I'd say probably one million of that is going to be paid in fines of some degree to the club or, I or think to the NFL this season. I heard somewhere that they can cut him for not a lot of loss as well, so it might even get to the beginning of the season and he's not a Raider. It's crossed. Yeah, let's hope. The Rams have added another veteran pass rusher to the already stacked veteran defence. Longtime Packers pass rusher Clay Matthews is headed to Los Angeles. This was per Rapport. He's not going to play all 16. He's going to be a in-and-out piece, I think. Yeah, let's just hope he gets used to the uh, quarterback hits rules this year. He's had a year now. Um, we'd like to think that he can have mastered that. You can't hit the quarterback after he's released the ball. Come on, Clay. Even I know that. <laughs> right. With this stage of free agency, Murph, with the big star names for the most part of the board, would you prefer your team sign these calibre second and third tier free agents to a one-year prove-it deal or multi-deals in case they get hot and you retain them? You're asking me? No, or I'm, I'm asking you. So we put this as the talking point that we missed off last week. I 100% love what the Buccaneers are doing. and I'm not always a homer, but what I do love that they're doing is... They're signing all this talent, uh, Shaq Barrett, uh, Deonne Buchanan, Bashar Perriman. They're signing them all to one-year prove-it deals, and they're paying $4 million, $5 million, these sorts of realms. And the reason I love that is these players could potentially go off. I, less so on Perriman, but Shaq Barrett is a good player. Shaq Barrett could potentially have a phenomenal season, and he could gain interest in a year's time, and he could move on. And that would be a shame. But... There's some. The quickest way to build your roster is by acquiring draft picks. So if you're signing good players to one-year deals as almost like transition players, this is what the Patriots have done for years. You sign all this talent, one-year deal, one-year deal, one-year deal, one-year deal. If that player then goes to big money move and free, so let's say Shaq Barrett has a great year, and all of a sudden 
the team comes in and they offer a three-year, $27 million deal. $9 million a year. And he goes. The Buccaneers get a comp- compensatory pick back, which should be, depending on the maths and how it works out, probably a third, fourth round pick. And is that if they after the, offer it after the year? So what happens is there's a formula of com- compensatory picks that basically as long as... You, the players that you lose in free agency, if they are more than what you've signed... So basically, if you've lost seven players to free agency, yeah. but you've only signed three players in free agency, and you've got a net loss of four, they're scored on points depending on like the size of contract, length of contract, etc. You could be in line to score anywhere between two and four compensatory picks. And then depending on where their points are, is that what round you get them in? Starting from the third. Right. So the maximum you can get is four from the third to the seventh round. Okay. So you can sign all of these players lose them all in a year's time. And if you if you work the maths out like the Patriots do, if you look at the Patriots every year, they seem to always have an extra third, an extra fourth round pick. And people ask all the time, why? This is why. They sign a lot of players to prove it deals, one-year deals, transition deals. And then all of a sudden, these players go, get signed by someone else because they've had a year under the Patriots. People, Some people hire Patriots players just for the intel and pay them a deal to use them on special teams and just get an understanding of what the Patriots did last year. So these guys get employed and they can potentially get, and this is where the Patriots get enough of these points to end up getting these compensatory picks. And it's the quickest way to build a successful team because all of a sudden you're starting to acquire more third round picks, more fourth round picks. And that is your ammunition to either go and trade up or that's your ammunition to get more of those squad type players. People go, oh, well, third round picks, fourth round picks, they're, you know, by the by, they're not that important. Some immensely talented players have come out of the third and fourth round. They're not nothing players. Alvin Kamara a couple of years ago, when he was offensive rookie of the year, came in the third round. You can sign very, very good players in the third round and fourth round. These are players that are not necessarily the stars of the draft, but they're high upside players who are scheduled to at least start for your team for the at least a good portion of snaps. And that's what you're looking for. You're looking for a production. The Buccaneers this year... Unfortunately, got left with loads of holes. So they've signed loads of players and actually they've cancelled out what they would have got in compensatory picks because they lost Quan Alexander, who was a third round pick um, or fourth round pick, I think he was actually, to a big deal to San Francisco. Adam Humphreys went. He was an undrafted free agent, believe it or not, um, and lost him on a big deal to the Titans. So they've actually, by signing all of these players this year, have actually hurt their compensatory pick math. So they're not going to get these extra picks in 2019 but or 2020 but moving forward if you keep with this math and you keep doing this and sign up players good players who are going to produce for you and do things for you for your team to one year deals so much so they get signed elsewhere then you've got a great opportunity to acquire a lot of picks and more importantly there's nothing stopping you from signing Shaq Barrett if he has a great year and you think this is my linebacker for the next three years there's nothing stopping you from extending in mid-season you can still extend him. And you get first dibs, essentially, on him. Effectively, because you've got exclusive negotiating rights while he's under contract. So why doesn't everybody do this with everybody? There must be a benefit to signing... I suppose the best way to do it is, like you just mentioned with Shaq Barrett, is, is sign him for a one-year deal, have an absolute beast first six, seven games, and then think, right, we're going to sign you for three years. But then Quan Alexander, for instance, he's not a buck anymore, but if he was, you sign him for one year and he doesn't go off and you think, well, after that year, you can go elsewhere and we might get a compensatory pick for him. There has to be a merit in doing both, but I can definitely see where you're saying you gain a lot of compensatory picks by essentially flipping them 
for value, aren't you? And that's what you're doing. And you're you're basically kicking the can down the road on on positions that maybe the linebacker class in 2020 could be quite strong. So you sign a couple of linebackers in this class for one-year deals, and then you go and draft a couple in the next draft. Or you look at who might be on free agency. Listen, you can sign players. Justin, you know, Justin Houston we talked about was great value, but then you've got Landon Collins who went for like six years, 80-odd million. Like The reason those players get that kind of money is they're elite players, and you want to lock up elite players because... They help you win championships. The problem that you have when you're looking at the construction of your roster is if you sign too many of those players and there's so many teams that clamour, I wish my team had got Le'Veon Bell, I wish my team had got Landon Collins, I wish my team had bought... Everyone was calling out for the Colts to sign all these players because they've got 100 million in cap, 120 million in cap. Oh, well, they can afford Bell, they can afford Collins, uh, they could probably get um, D Ford... Uh, Justin Houston, and they could probably still get a few more players. Yes, they can. But the problem is, you're tying down too much money on such a select few of players. It's not, it's not like the Premier League where you have a team of 11 players, and if you've got the best two or three players in your team, you potentially win the league. It's a case of you need all 53 players, or at least you need 40 to 45 of those players to perform at a very good level. And most teams, and the teams that understand this, the Patriots, you look at their team from 1 to 53. How many of them are elite players? Four? Five? Maybe six. That's the difference. They just get a lot of skill position guys. They get a lot of guys who do do a job. And that's how you make a successful roster. The Rams, everyone looks at that and goes, they spent all this money, they got to the Super Bowl, they were so close. And they did, and fair play to them. Listen, they got really, really close, but they went and bought all that talent, and they walked away with nothing. That, yeah, that was the time they had to go and win it. Exactly They that. invested heavily in the now, and the now never happened. I think. I mean, they got to the final. They got to the Super Bowl, so you have to say that to an element of degree, it worked. But it didn't, because they didn't get the hardware. So it doesn't matter you got to a Super Bowl. Being in the Super Bowl means nothing if you don't win it. No one cares about the teams that lose the Super Bowl. If you're not, if second place is first loser. Correct. So if you don't win, you get nothing. There's, you take what they did and you take what the Colts did. And essentially the two teams achieved relatively similar results. Only one team drafted a lot of young players and you could look at their team and think that is an up and coming exciting team. And one team went out and bought a load of players knowing that if they don't do this in the next year now... They're going to have to do something miraculous with their cat levels. They're short that you get the, what they call these Super Bowl windows. And this is what the Browns are walking into. So the Browns have now gone into this position where they've, over the years, have been steadily trying to build up a roster and they've tanked and they've lost games and acquired picks and traded back and, and done all of these pieces. And now they've made all their massive splash moves. And the splash moves are incredible. You look at their team now and you think, well, that's a team of all stars. They have two years to win the Super Bowl, maybe three. And that's it. And then that cap and that room is knackered. And Browns fans are excited, rightfully so, because they've not had much to shout about for 20 years. But I tell you now, if they don't win the Super Bowl in the next two to three years, they're going back, maybe not all the way to oblivion, but they're going back to being a five-win team, a six-win team, because they have to lose all their best players. And they're going to have to let them go. Because they've now structured their wages and their cap in such a way... They've still got to re-sign Baker and they've still got to re-sign 
Miles Garrett. Miles Garrett is the player I was thinking of. <laughs> and many other talented players. And these players are going to want top, top money. These players are going to want 25, 30 million a year, potentially. And they're going to be due it. And eventually, you pay these people and you they're being paid 24, 26, 28% of the cap between the two of them. That massively hinders what you spend on the other 51 players. And it struggles to yield championships. And that is a big, big thing. And it's something that people maybe don't understand or think it's an unpopular position. Like, no, we should just go and get all the best players. But that, for me, is is why I'd always want these one-year deals, um, prove-it deals, as much as possible at this stage of free agency with the type of talent that we're talking about. Because you're not tied into anything. You're not going to pay loads of dead cap to get rid of them. And you're potentially going to get these compensatory picks so that you can keep rebuilding your team with young, talented studs that are going to come through the draft. And if you've got good scouting processes... You can build an organic team in two years, three years that can really challenge for things. And it's sustainable for as long as you want. Yeah. You have a few elite players and then the rest of the team are good footballers. You'll win a lot of games. Good footballers win your games. Elite players help you to get there. And I think the way the Colts are going about it, the way the Bucks in the one-year deal and the Ra- the, Co- the Browns have gone very, very close to the Rams model in throwing in lots of money now. And we'll see with the Rams slightly before the Browns what happens to them because they could fall off as well. So it'll be interesting to see. Great show, Murph. Loved it. Yeah, with, me too. With that being said, we've got to bounce because we are guesting elsewhere. Won't tell you where because uh, we'll let them drop our names. <laughs> but we're out of here. We're going to have another show this week, are we? No. Uh, yes, we are. Oh, yeah, we are. We are. Guest from last week is coming on. Probably be out Friday, if not Thursday night. Murph, I will see you end of the week Rush Nation talk to you at the end of the week but until the end of the week don't forget as always keep rushing you can live a long healthy life if you're HIV positive with the current treatments we can get patients down to being undetectable. The array of options is so much greater today. U equals U. Undetectable equals untransmittable. If someone who's HIV positive, they're taking their medication, they're undetectable, they're not able to pass HIV to their partners. Do it for you, Montgomery County. Your HIV treatment is their prevention. Get more information at doitforumc.org. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details.
Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. 